everybody. Welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s continuation of the Halloween spectacular extravaganza. We're talking about I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. My name is Kyle. I'm here with Dylan. Dylan, what is I Still Know What You Did Last Summer? It's the sequel to I Know What You Did Last Summer. <laughs> <laughs> kind of says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, but that title, that title's wrong. That like, were they aware of what they did? Because it's the title doesn't make sense. It what? would still have to be. It would have to be. I still know what you did the summer before last, because it's been two years now. Is there a time jump in this movie? Because it's ninety seven, ninety eight, right? <laughs> yes, but the first movie, the they hit him in ninety seven. So the next year is right. 98. And so this one should take place in 99. <laughs> yeah. Or they hit him in 96 and it takes place in 97. I don't know, because I'm pretty sure at the Croker pageant, it, it says like 1997. I, I think, could be wrong, but I'm pretty no. sure. <laughs> you know what? You're totally right. You uh, poked the only hole in this movie <laughs> that there could be. Um, all right. Well, before we find out what the capital of Brazil is, yes, let's talk about some other movies. Have you seen anything else? Uh, nothing too crazy. I forgot to mention this on the last one, but I did go see Tenet. Oh, right on. Yes. Um, I, I liked it. Loved it. It's a fucking visual, fucking spectacular movie. I'm losing my words for it, but <laughs> it does have some issues for me that I. Like, I felt like I was, it was pretty clear, like, watching it. I pretty much understood the story. I don't understand the physics of the story. But, and uh, Nolan has, I'm sure you've heard, done this since The Dark Knight Rises, where he'll make characters' dialogue lower than the score. Yeah. So the score just overblows the dialogue, and... I'm trying to understand what these fucking characters are saying, and there's just too much score happening at once. It's and he's like, I'm doing that all on purpose because there's more to it. Just watch the visuals. And I'm like, yeah, but I like dialogue too. I do I, like dialogue. It, it, and in certain, I feel like, so the place where that came to my knowledge was Interstellar. It yeah, he does it a lot. It works in Interstellar though. I disagree. It, for the same reason that you maybe you're describing here, it took me two watches to realize, or at least like late into the first watch, and then confirmed on the second watch that there are two robots in Interstellar. Yeah, Tars and um, the other one that comes later on. Cars and Sars or whatever, you know, the second one's name is, but the second one's introduction is muffled over some explosions and score, and you're just like, oh, wait, no, no, wait, there's two? What the fuck is happening now? Gotcha. So it's the same yeah. kind of shit, and actually, you're not the first person <laughs> to tell me this complaint about Tenet specifically, and I just feel like... Oh, dude, know, if you thought his other movies did it a lot, this one is, like, the king of it. It happens so much. It's not enough. It's to like it, it, in, in my head, it must be pointless dialogue. Then, if he doesn't really care about it, but like it seems like it is like expository dialogue that you need to understand. What is pointless dialogue? Um, like I, 
like if it's just two characters walking and just mumbling about nothing and he has his score going that's how it kind of feels like they'll just be walking and talking about crashing a plane into a fucking warehouse and you get this fucking gigantic score that's coming in although that part I did understand a lot. There wasn't dialogue I didn't understand in that scene. I was just pointing out like the mundaneness. They do it in Inception too. They'll just be walking around Paris, score booming, and they're explaining the world to the audience essentially. And okay, but that's a reason to have dialogue there. If you feel like you don't yeah, yeah, yeah. need to hear dialogue, that's what I was why trying to get write yeah. the line. I you know. Yeah. It rely on the visual because he's such a visual director and that's the reason to see the movie is to watch the guys go back and forth through time it'll be fun you know that's like my <laughs> and not to reduce this to like intro film school but the thing that i like one of the first things that i really remember catching fire with and just having so much fun was an edit to a color palette theory and I just did a lot of time mapping, you know, and back and forth and speeding the shit up. And it's, it's just, it's so much fun to do and to play with. So good on him for doing it on the largest scale possible. Well, like, a lot of this, is, a lot of it is in camera. His actors trained to do the fights backwards. So their body movements are all done in normal time, but they're doing it backwards themselves. And then Kenneth, they all had to learn their, uh, sorry, this is a slight spoiler, but not really. There's one moment where you hear inverted dialogue. It's playing backwards. The the actors had to do that. Nolan made them learn the dialect backwards. (laughs) And so all the body movements that they're doing, it's all in camera real. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's cool, I guess, but I also, I mean, I'd have to see it, so I'm sort of wondering why. My buddy said for him that uh, the visual spectacle went away after, like, the first few times of seeing it, and he was just kind of bored with the whole movie, especially because he couldn't hear dialogue. Sure. Yeah. But I fucking loved it. I went on a trip with it, because I'm trying to figure out the whole time loop of it all, and put it in my context, in my head, and that's fun for me. I like doing Good. that. I th- and I think some people really don't. Like, Inception is a baby movie compared to this. I don't think Inception was that hard to follow. It's pretty upfront with what it's saying. But there's just, like, little moments that people might not get of, like, how Leo got his wife to think that her world was bad. And that's by finding the totem in her dollhouse and then locking it away and it's well, just like a little trick of Nolan is like his movies are on first view. You walk away from the walk away from them just being like, "How? Wow! What just happened to me? I have to tear that apart." And like, you know, and then you go back for the second view, and you're like, "Oh, oh no, no, okay, yeah, it was just the thing I thought it was." Yeah, yeah, Tenet cool movie. Is not that. I I don't think Tenet will be that on my second viewing. I think there's going to be a lot more that, because I'm hoping maybe this upcoming week, I didn't get to see it in IMAX, but I did see it in a theater by myself. Yeah, that's cool. I was cool. the only one in there, and it was a trip. Yeah. And uh, so I'm hoping I can go see it in IMAX here soon. And then as soon as, I wonder if IMAX has like, like some places have the glasses with the closed captions that pop up. Oh, here. really? 
Yeah, I would love to get it so I can read the dialogue as it goes. What the fuck is happening in this movie? (laughs) But uh, other than that, that's about it. Watching horror movies and shit. Rewatched Red State Uh, through the whole Buse universe. I I like Red State. Oh, it's. I think it's one of Kevin Smith's most original movies. Like that, he truly takes a hard right turn halfway through the movie and then takes another right turn and then the movie has a great little epilogue and i was like oh what a different movie for him yeah i like it that for the same reason that i like tusk in his collection people hate that movie i fucking love it it's so weird i think it's his masterpiece man i think it's the one where he's most committed to the bit and that's kind of where he rules and it's a fucked up bit (laughs) fucked up bit but he's he's true to the fucked up nature of the bit. There are moments in that movie, especially the sort of like tete-a-tete across the table, uh-huh. where you're, I'm like really, really tense, really Same. upset, you know? And then the, where it goes is just like... The ending is so ridiculous, but it leaves me upset because... They're like watching his friend who's now full walrus and they throw him a fish. They throw him and, a fish. Yeah, and she's like, I love you. And he just goes, Oh and I'm just like, oh my god, this movie is fucked up. <laughs> One of the darkest things I've ever seen. Oh man, I'm gonna watch Tusk soon. I mean yeah, I might as well. I just I'm kind of going in order anyways. I've been watching all, uh, rewatching all his movies. Man, we'll have to do a, a Kevin Smith filmography at some point. Ooh, I would love to wane in on those. All right, we'll, we'll do like a, a guest set. Of, a of, big, of big cross. I, yeah, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. What'd you watch? Uh, I just have a couple. I watched the Major League movies. I went How through. Old it? Oh, what's that? How, are they funny still? I like them, man. I do. I like them. I think I the first one's legit good. I okay. think the second one. What's that? I can understand the first one still being good. I mean, Charlie Sheen is Charlie Sheen in it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really like. Dennis Haysbert that's actually the kind of thing I want to talk about is just like how awesome Dennis Haysbert is as an actor because he's fucking hilarious in those movies but he's also scary and then he's also President Palmer and was like the voice of an insurance company you know I just he can do anything and that dude rules man (laughs) okay but also um the third one I think it's well so whatever the the first one I think has classic status and probably deserves it. I really enjoyed my time with it. And the second one is sort of like, it's weird because they recast Wesley Snipes with Omar Epps, but the movie does a lot to like acknowledge that. The first one is 89, 90? It's gotta be in that territory, yeah. And the second one's probably 94? Maybe probably a little earlier than that, even like ninety. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Gotcha. Um, but the movie does some stuff to acknowledge that Wesley Snipes is now too big for Major League. So Omar Epps is playing a character that's too big for the minor leagues, and okay. you know, or the major leagues, whatever. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. I think it's still pretty solid. 
And then the third one is better than its reputation deserves. It's, you know, definitely the third one in the trilogy, but Walton Goggins is in it. Oh, really? The first time I ever saw him show up. Okay. He's like the big bat coming from the minor leagues going pro that has to <laughs> learn to hold back and really understand the game, you know? Huh. But it's Walton Goggins, man. It's fucking awesome. Walton Goggins. Fucking A. So that one. And then um, the other one, it was the interpreter. A Sidney Pollock movie? You're a Sidney Pollock fan, yeah? I am. I really like that movie. I saw that with a group of friends in middle school, I guess. I, that came out when I was in middle school. Martin, None 2000, of well, 2005, actually. It's crazy. Okay. okay, so that's freshman year of high school for me. Okay. And none of my friends like this movie and i'm just like so enthralled with it and i think like a lot of them left and really? i just say they're watching that movie <laughs> what are you into what's your what's your take on it i thoroughly enjoy it i haven't seen it in uh, solidly 10 years i still have the dvd sure. uh but i mean great movie um like uh oh my god why am i blinking on Let's jump in real quick because I think it's like a it's a Sidney Pollock movie, so there is greatness in it. And the way that he shoots New York in general and the United Nations building is really impressive. I don't know who the DP well, is. Actually, get the film there too, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. And so mm. you get this sort of like inside baseball take on what's going on there, like, and you can tell <laughs> that Sidney Pollock is obsessed with those little details you know, because it's full of them. Like at one point, the, you know, some secret agent is making a stink about how he's got to get through. And the security guard essentially is like, bro, this is international territory. I'm not concerned about your badge. Just relax. So, and, but that's a really cool moment. And then like way earlier in the movie, somebody is like a, a, a janitor is speaking Portuguese and somebody in the background just goes, huh, Portuguese. Hmm. I don't remember that. It happens, buddy. It, it, it's not the best look. Huh. Okay. Uh, and like the opening of the movies in like Johannesburg, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of South African politics that are happening in this movie. Yeah. 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 I remember I the whole murder that. that happens there, and there's like a kid watching. Well, they're yeah, they're at the soccer stadium, and it's a yep. really cool sequence, and you you know, it's full of tension, you know it's going to go wrong, and then that sets up the reveal in the end about how Nicole Kidman is connected to this thing, because you know it's a mystery the whole way. I found the mystery, you know, a little unsatisfying, but as a thriller, I was totally engaged, and um, I might have to rewatch it here soon. It's, I, you know, solid. I'm, I'm going to give it a, a, a gentleman's solid solid yeah fucking a. i not too long ago did re-watch a sydney pollock film called the way we are or the way we were yeah uh barbara streisand and um memory cut what is it the uh, lentil no the lentil? fucking song what song the, oh, way, we're we singing were. the way we were yes <laughs> gotcha <laughs> uh yes made for that movie yeah. um with uh, her and Robert, um, fucking handsome man, fucking Redford? Sundance kid, 
Redford, thank you. Yeah. Robert Redford. Great movie, though. I love it. Do you think, I was just talking to my wife about this one, as like, is Robert Redford really handsome or like kind of he's average like looking? He's like a rugged handsome. Now, right? No, even like Sundance Kid, like he, he has a rugged look to him. But, and Jeremiah Johnson, right? Absolutely, yes. But that's the, I think a lot of that's the beard. He's really like, I don't know. So my wife was like, no, no, he's like model good looking. And I was like, no, I think he's like ruggedly handsome. And she's like, no, he could be in, you know, runway stuff, GQ business. He does have a, yeah, he does have a strong jawline. And strong cheeks. That dude's got some features, man. Yeah. So he played really rugged characters, but he's a, a beautiful dude. Was he ever the pretty boy? Like, was he considered the pretty boy? I mean, I know he was a sex symbol, but it's it's so far before my time. You know, like when my memory of Robert Redford is kind of, you know, leather saddlebag Redford. Same, same, same. So when I, it's like my parents' generation talking about how handsome he is. I'm just like, all right, whatever. Yeah, there's like a few movies I can pull where I know him as without like a beard and still looking young. And it's um, The Hot Rock, which is a very funny crime caper movie. Uh, And um, The Sting. Yeah, of course. And uh, there's one more that is on the tip of my tongue and I cannot, uh, I can't remember. All the President's Men, but even by that time. That was the other one. He's starting to look a little kind of mannish at that point, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that, 74? It's it's like a year or two after the Watergate scandal broke. Like, it was very current. Yeah. Well, because I think Woodward's, their book came out like a year after the scandal. Two years after the scandal. And then the movie was out. So it's within uh, three to four years, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and he's still at it. Well, yep. that's some digression on some classic films. Should we circle back to a less classic film? Yeah. Is that fair to say? I don't think that's fair to say. I'm going to announce it up front. I'm going to defend this movie. They both have a cult following. Okay, cool. So... I think the first one a little more than the second one. But, hey, I love them both. And this one, like is ridiculous in so many parts and they i was reading some goofs that they have and i was like oh yeah in my head i'm like yep that does happen how did i not even pick up on that myself okay i might have a few because there's there's some stuff like so starting right off top they're at a college campus talking about how it's the fourth of july yeah so they're taking summer school classes it's a busy yeah. campus. What is happening in this movie already? And then they talk about like their friend, she has to, Will, Will Benson has to stay back because her Dude, friend that. is taking summer school classes, but we're not taking summer school classes. Just every single other person around us is taking summer school classes. <laughs> Late sessions, dude. It, I guess so, man. Maybe uh, they're on a trimester system. Oh, we'll get to it, but Will Benson. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll get to it's Will Benson. At the end. It's so funny to me. It's so insane. Like, huh? Yeah. How would 
how would she have gotten that? <laughs> how would she have? He's oh, like, man. don't you get it? Ben, ben Willis? Will Benton? I'm Ben's son. What? Okay. How? You get to it right now. Because it makes no sense what the fuck soever. They don't have the same surname. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Icelandic. It's very Nordic. You know what I mean? He's the son of Ben. He's Ben's son. Willis. Will. Ben's son. Get it? And he's like screaming it at you the way the script is screaming it at the producer. Just like, no, I know. It doesn't fucking matter. It's about the raincoat. They're going to put hooks in faces. Mackay Pfeiffer is going to get killed in a pantry. Don't Hell worry. Yeah. He's going to get his hook straight through the back of his fucking neck. It's going to come out. And they're going to lift him up and it's going to break. After he announces his whole motivation for being there is just because he's hungry. Yep. Yeah. I'm fucking horny. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen one goddamn psycho killer. <laughs> Love it delightful i mean it's uh, so it's all right let's jump back to the beginning okay yeah so julie uh is at school fucking her her roommate and her best friend carla brandy mm. m brandy. to the o to the o to the hey yeah buddy that's brandy i think she's pretty good in here i do too yeah, yeah I love uh, I'm, I'm i'm in for it and uh <clears throat> They get a phone call from a radio station saying they uh, they have a chance to win a contest if they answer this one question. Before we jump too far into the plot, I want to get back into the opening sequence. Because oh, we do have the, her dream. Her dream, right? And then even after she wakes from the dream and we meet, you know, low-rent Scott Foley, uh, Will Benson, yeah. who's already like, you know, TV Matt Damon. <laughs> and I, he doesn't do a great job, whatever. So Jennifer Love Hewitt is like walking back to her, her dorm after waking from this dream, right? Mm -hmm. And we get a few moments before the title cards start where I just get this impression of like, oh, I feel like she is trying to cope with her trauma. Is that not the situation? No, the movie starts with her in the church and there is the shot of her walking down the pews and like she is kind of like thinking about what she's doing she's going to confess something but it, i think the title card even like happens like right at that moment and then she goes inside the church uh inside the confessional talks and then he jumps through and then you just go to her waking up in the school right 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 um but after that, after she parts way with Will Benson, before we meet Brandy, uh huh, that's when oh the yeah, yeah, that's a little solo shot of her walking back to her dorm and just like looking in the mirror and kind of reflecting. So I appreciate that this moment, this movie takes a moment to be about something. It doesn't like, it doesn't last. It's not <laughs> going to focus on that. But nope. it gives us just a moment of like, no, 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 this woman has experienced a really traumatic event. That's kind of where we're starting from here. Mm -hmm. That's something. And the movie goes high and low like that the whole way. Yeah. Uh, so do you like this one more than the first one? Now way that you've more, watched dude. them? I, I knew you would like it more. Like, way <laughs> more. It's entertaining. It's, it knows the movie that it's being. 
So I'll, I'll jump forward to the end of my thesis here, which is like the difference between these two movies and, and why I like this one and not the first one, is that a movie, a horror movie for me, and this is just for me, but for me, I'm stealing a comedy bang bang bit, but for me, it can be brutal and upsetting and sad and, and like terrifying and existentially woeful if it's good, you know, if it's got those things on its mind. And uh -huh. if it's not, it can still be a fucking blast. And like, people can get some heads torn off. We can make a quick lip service <laughs> statement to, you know, okay, it's about trauma, but really we're just going to go like put the fisherman in the coat and like put his hook through some shit. And we're going to say ridiculous things like, Brandy's no it's um Makai Pfeiffer's introduction where he's like no, no no baby it'll just take a minute and she says I quote if you can say all you got to say to me in one minute I don't want to hear it <laughs> that's a good line and it's fucking fun you know what I mean and so what it can be that too and some of the best horror movies the like the real classics kind of do both of those i'm thinking of like sleepaway camp and um that's that's an insane one it's an insane one but it's got a lot on its mind and it's a lot of fun yeah and, definitely um hellraiser is another one that's like a little less insane but that movie has a lot on its mind and but it's, it's a lot of fun what's that it's gory as fuck it's gory as fuck and it's weird as fuck yeah, but it's not as insane as Sleepaway Camp, and it's it's like sure. a you know I, I mean I love Sleepaway Camp and I, I love some some camp horror obviously, but Sleepaway Camp is like just at the threshold of movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The, like Sleepaway Camp is not it, it's not fucking Hellraiser. This is what I'm yeah. saying, and Hellraiser yeah. has some. What I really am saying is Hellraiser has some money behind it. Yes, and absolutely. That's why it doesn't get to be as insane as Sleepaway Camp. But even still, it's kind of fucking insane. And it's yep. really about some internalized trauma that, that it's trying to externalize. And we're having a lot of fun the whole way. And <laughs> this movie is less about the internalized trauma and more about the fun. But at least it's having fun. And, and it has a little bit of the internalized trauma. It's there. And it does get there at the end also. Jennifer Love Hewitt has the moment. You know, she shoots that motherfucker and tells him to die, motherfucker, die. Mm -hmm. And so, I think there's like one too many shots that go off. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me at all. She has a six shooter. We're having fun. She's got yeah, a six not. shooter because she went one more on them. <laughs> no, because one gets shot. So she should have five. Yeah, so I think she does get seven off. I don't know. I didn't actually count, but I was like, whoa, I think there's too many gunshots. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't tracking gunshots, but I would not doubt it for even one second. Uh, so let me just finish this point, which yeah, is- Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was telling you to get uh, going. Not, not fun and not good at being a mystery or being moody. It, you know, it just is like- <sighs> Yeah, and I'm not. I'm done ragging on the first one. I'm not talking about it anymore. But I like this one a lot better. Uh, I go through my phases, but I do remember 
I didn't see the first one in theaters. I saw this one opening night with my mom at Packed House, and I, I you fucking... Then. So you would have been, like, fucking seven? Let's see. It uh, came out... What, what year did it come out? Or uh, it came out ninety eight. I know that November thirteenth, nineteen ninety eight. Right. So I was seven. Your parents are crazy people, man. I, I can't wait to meet them at some point. My mom's so sweet. She, I'm she sure just she is. I'm sure she's lovely. With your... she just loved movies, and she knew that I liked. She watched the first one with me on VHS, right and on. then I remember seeing. Do you remember the teaser trailer for this movie? It's it's a whole scene that is not in the movie. It's I think what they did is they wanted that to be the opening scene, and then they rewrote it to be the church. So it's Jewel, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt in a therapy session, and the therapist is like, Julie, I need you to say this with me. There is no man with a hook. Okay. And Julie's like, there is no man with a hook. And she's standing in front of a mirror. And then uh she's like see don't you feel better and julie kind of like smiles and like lets out some stress and then the fisherman pops out of the mirror and i remember seeing i'm like mom we have to go let's go and uh yeah that scene's not in the movie at all (laughs) that was one of my most frustrating experiences as a young cinema fan is watching the trailer moment that's not in the movie it's why i'm here uh and then Here's just a little fun fact that I just noticed when I was looking at the VHS. Okay. Okay, first off, listen to this mouthful of a fucking plot line that they say this is. Are you ready for this? I'm pretty sure it's one sentence, and it's a fucking paragraph. Remember Ben Willis? He's the fisherman who killed the boy who was driving the car when it went off the road in the <laughs> fatal accident that killed his daughter, Sarah. No, that's wrong. Her name wasn't Sarah. Her name was Susie. What? He's the man in the slicker with the hook in his hand ready to exact bloody justice. Well, he's back. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm on board. I think this movie knows exactly what it's doing, where it's just like, it doesn't, the plot is so, who cares? Rain So did they know what they were doing with the title? Yeah. (laughs) I still think they know what they were doing with the title. I still think I know what they were doing with the title. That's brilliant. I do, and I think that, like, the movie itself is actually pretty solid as a sequel and just a horror movie. Like, when we get into, (laughs) well, we should talk about Freddie Princess Jr.'s plot, because he is not in this movie, man. Like, yeah. At he's one like point, always trying to get, he's catching up to everyone. He's, <laughs> he's truly like miles behind everyone. <laughs> truly. And at one point, we find him coming out of a bathroom on a bus because he's been <laughs> sick. Right. He <laughs> pills in the bathroom, wasn't he? Oh, no. Maybe he's just taking a shit or something. I don't know. But I think he was popping some pills, getting water from the sink. That's gross, though. That's that's even more terrifying than anything else that this movie has to say. Oh, my God. Can you imagine being in a condition where you had to drink water from a bus bathroom? Not even a bus station bathroom? How did he get those prescription pills? He left the hospital. (laughs) And he left the hospital with his arm in a left 
like broken in a left sling and then it turns to the right arm for the rest of the movie and then he fights two people with his broken arm <laughs> he's on a tr- i mean he's a man determined what else can you say <laughs> i guess so um uh well here's a continuity er- continuity era that just confirmed the the years of the story at the end, there is a tombstone that says Julie, 1998, which is wrong because although <laughs> the movie was released in 98, the actual characters should, uh, should have been living in 1999 or later because the beginning of part one takes place in 97 at the pageant. Then one year later, 98, the killer returns to seek revenge. Part one ends. Then it's at least one to two years later before part two takes place. I mean, they're paying no attention to the continuity uh, of this movie no need no but need in, in broad thematic strokes they're getting it done i like that the roles are fr- are, are swapped speaking of freddie that he he rolls up in the truck with john hawks who we'll get to momentarily singing white it's like freddie is the galecki so mm-hmm. that's, that's something anyway i was really really sad that john hawks is done in like two minutes i think this is the first time i saw john hawks I think so too. Same as well. Because then after this was like a perfect storm. I really like a perfect storm. I do too. Um, John Hawks is always great, but I think Uh, his death in this movie always freaked me out as a kid. It's rough, man. Hell yeah. Using the hook. Yeah. Fucking. uh, And like just the fact he drags him through the window. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Through through his violin. Oh, so, man. But so elaborate of the fisherman to put a mannequin in the middle of the road. <laughs> I love it, dude. I do, too. <laughs> and then fucking there's just a truck driver that just passes right on by. Does not give Christmas. any fucks. About- nope, I wouldn't either. If I saw some fucking dude in a truck trying to hit another guy, I'd be like, oh, I'm out of here. I'll call it in on the CB. That's the move. If you got yeah. the radio... I'm not trying to be John Hawks. <laughs> I've seen too many horror movies. Mm-hmm. Have you? There have been a few situations in my life that I've legitimately walked out of. Like, what are you guys going to do this? I'm not doing this. Have you never seen a horror movie? Um. Yeah, I'm sure there's been moments like that. I can't pull any though. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not going to bum everybody out by saying what they were, but I've definitely just been like, nah, this is where we're I'm going to We're going to go uh, rob a bank, and then we're going to fucking go buy a shit ton of strippers in the middle of the desert. And you're like, this sounds like from Dust Till Dawn. Haven't you guys seen that? Yeah, or like, <laughs> there's Savages? Did you guys ever see Savages? Can Ooh. we steer this away from, can we make this less of a dusk till dawn and more of a Sicario? Because I'm comfortable with the crushing weight of political realities, but I'm not okay with dying by vampire. But you want the strippers. <laughs> it's inherent with bank robbery and drug money. It just is going to happen. I'm not saying I want it. I'm saying I understand that it's a consequence of my actions. Yeah, I think I fucked that. They don't rob a bank. Oh, they do in like you don't see the robbery, but they're it's like on the run from the bank, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. 
and then they hold up the mini mark. Um, okay, yeah, so back to I still know what you did last summer. <laughs> Actually, speaking of other horror movies, the uh, tanning bed scene. Yeah, where she keeps her eyes open. <laughs> well, in a tanning bed. And she doesn't, she doesn't have put her on? goggles on, but she does. But she closes the door and she's like, look, the camera's above her and she's like looking up. And <laughs> <laughs> I was reminded of Final Destination. Ooh, yeah, and this was before Final Destination. I remember seeing Final Destination 3 and being like, they ripped off. I still know what you did last summer. Here's Even my though question. they take it to the extreme <laughs> Final <laughs> Destination. I mean, that's the Final Destination. Exactly. My question for any of this, though, is why do tanning beds work that way? It doesn't <laughs> seem like they should be ovens. That's what they are. They're, <laughs> they fucking cook your skin. Right, but like, that hot? Why? Yeah, man. Yeah. They're, the uh, tanning beds are terrible for you. Yeah, I've never been in one. Have you ever been in one of them? Nope, I don't have any desire to. I would never I, do I'm that so pasty. I'm so pale already. Like, <laughs> I would fucking burn. Burn. You, and you've got some, some ruddiness going in your, your hair and general yeah. tones as well. Yep. Yeah, you'd probably turn pretty pink. Well, uh, he gets out of the tanning bed and then immediately throws her arms wide open. And there's like 10 scenes in this movie where she's like arms open screaming. But then my grave stays empty. <laughs> <laughs> the gravestone scene, dude. It's so like, uh, okay. It, it's rough for a couple of reasons. And not to just keep <laughs> referencing other movies, but it reminds, because of what's spray painted on the gravestone, right? What does it say? It says, uh, Julie, 1998. Uh, hold on, I just had it. It says July 4th, 1998. Yeah, we learned that it's like the same day. Whatever. Okay, I'm not interested in the time continuity of this movie. And, and wait, no, it says July fourth, nineteen ninety eight, and her next line is, "What's today? What's today? July fourth. <laughs> we know it is because you went on a holiday for this thing, and like the innkeeper was like, "July fourth is the last day of our thing. The terrible storm comes. We've said it seventeen fucking times." And now it's spray painted on a gravestone that you just read. It's clearly a threat to you. This man traveled from a, a whole other nation to murder you. And Although you're just, he, what could this he, possibly mean? That's still the not there. the worst gravestone scene in all of cinema. Oh, what's the worst one? The Rock. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it says his wife, Dylan. It yes. doesn't even say her name. It just says his wife. Yes. That's the best. <laughs> That's all you need, man. That's all you need to know about <laughs> character motivation. You know what? That's economy of storytelling. That's just good screenwriting. <laughs> no, you know that was all Michael Bay. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's like no one's going to pay attention to it. Speaking of good scene writing, the way that the Brandy's shoes come flying out of the dryer at the beginning of this movie. I love when they do that. <laughs> it's so much fun but as foreshadowing when we get to the payoff where she like re-announces how all of that played out yeah oh yeah what did she say she's like damn how many shoes they got in there <laughs> <laughs> oh it's just a dryer how many shoes it's one of the like <laughs> mm, 
sweatier moments of uh, the movie. That poor maid, though. That maid gets fucking sliced. I have that here, too, dude. And she didn't deserve that. Why the maid? Because she probably worked there for a while, and Ben Willis used to work there on the property, and he's going on a killing spree, killing everyone. He I knows see. this property like the back of his hand. His family used to go there. They lived there. I mean, which makes no sense. When did they? Was it a vacation home? Did they live there before they moved to Southport? How the fuck did no one not know who Ben Willis, Will Benson, Will was? Benson. If he's from Southport too, like what the fuck? It's it's Ben Ben Will Wilminson. Kevin. Kevin. It doesn't Will. matter because really, what this is is like just a haunted hotel movie, and totally. I think that's why the housekeeper gets it. Yep, and Jack Black, who I love his death, dude. He's fucking getting high. Like, me for Jack Black, but you did not prepare me for Jack Black. I told you, dude. I was like, okay. hey, <laughs> I told you. Man. That's okay. It's one thing to say, hey, by the way, Jack Black is in this movie. It's a whole other thing to be like, by the way, he's got dreadlocks. And he, he's like a fat Jamaican. <laughs> I'm, I'm in my head canon. He was like raised on this island and they like took him in as refuge. He maybe washed up on shore one day. That's the only excuse for his actions. Yeah, no, I, he's, I don't think he's, he's not Jamaican. He's a, an American who wound up there, just like how the dock hand is not really Jamaican. He's faking an accent. Right. He, I'll be helping you for the duration of your stay, ladies. And then the boat captain is like, the duration of your stay, ladies. Listen, old man, I'm just trying to get my money and I'm going to get out of here before this storm hits. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That I, all of that being said, I, I did have a lot of fun with Jack Black's performance, and his death is brutal and a lot of fun. And even to the chest. Oh, dude. Well, and like the way he says, like, oh no, don't do that, man. He says, seriously, don't do that. <laughs> seriously, don't do that. Yeah, it yep. cracked me the fuck up. I loved it. I'm on board for most things that Jack Black does. I also like the moment on the dock when said, you know, um, boat worker gets murdered for the, you know, and Jack uh -huh. Black is just like, uh, I didn't see shit. I'm smoking a joint. Peace out. He does what we all would have done on the road there. Just like, uh, uh I got to yep. go. And then the fisherman walks into frame and stands in the center of the dock. And watch <laughs> Black walk away. Yup. Yeah. Yep. yeah, dude. Um, fucking. So yeah, we we didn't even say how they got to the island, but they answered that radio question. Right. Uh, what's the capital of Brazil? They say Rio de Janeiro, which be did I think wasn't the was the capital up until like 1960. That's and then that's it turned to. Brasilia. 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 Yeah, I'm uh, glad they addressed that. And I'm also really glad that uh, it's Bill Cobbs who gets to address that and deal with right. that information. I was really he, happy to see him. He delivers the whole exposition. He gives yes. you everything. He's like, there was a family. <laughs> they used to work here. 
had a boy. <laughs> and he's pulling it off because he knows exactly what movie he's in. He's in the movie where he's like saying the, <laughs> the extra deep voice with the little bit disconnected eyes and letting everybody know where we need to get to before, like there, when we get the reveal of, oh my God, it's Will, that's the line, like that's the literal line of dialogue of him popping in the scene. And we're all supposed to agree on that point at that point, oh, it actually is him the killer. And I think this movie pulls it off. Will doesn't kill anyone though. Will's just been son who like infiltrated their friends. Okay, he's like, the one who makes it happen, right? It's got that kind of scream construction of the two killers. Yeah, he is the radio host. He is the one that like gets them to the island, I guess. Right. And I mean, hey, why movie, not just do it at the school when it's summer vacation? Like people are gone. You can do it <laughs> in her dorm. Because like, it's a haunted money, hotel dude. movie. If we oh, had yeah. it at summer school, we would never have met Jennifer Esposito. Yes, uh, crazy bartender. Always had a crush on her as a kid. I'm like, this woman looks crazy but sexy. I mean, she's that's kind of her niche, <laughs> right? I really wish she didn't die. Although. Yeah, she's dead because he fucking like pushes it through the other body into her, and she's like, Ugh. she's definitely dead. Although this, we'll we'll get to it in just a moment. I think Jennifer Esposito is a good actor, and I agree. All right, right on. She's got she's in a you know a couple of not great movies, but hey, when, I even love her in Taxi. I mean, right? Also, Son of Sam, you know. Okay. Diverge real quick. Son of Sam, not the best Spike Lee movie. It's entertaining, but what the fuck is going on with the talking dog? Yeah, I understand the real Son of Sam said he was taking orders from the talking dog, but then to put John Turturro as that talking dog, I just remember being like, what the fuck is going on right now? I'll take any Turturro I can get. If it's him as a talking dog, or he's scratching his eczema-riddled feet, I'll uh, watch So it. good. So good. I loved that show. Yeah, I mean, that thing's real, real, real darn good. But this is a movie podcast, and back to I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. I guess the kind of, um, well, yeah, two last points I want to make. But Mackay Pfeiffer uh, sucks. You know, he's like fun. That's his role is to suck, and all the men suck in this movie. But I'm really <laughs> glad that uh, he gets killed off in such a satisfying way. Yes, but, it is a very satisfying uh, death. Here's the problem with the way that he sucks in particular is that his whole motivation is like, I'm hungry and I want to fuck Brandy. Yes. And that makes okay. him the character I can identify with most. <laughs> that's funny okay um the <laughs> the high and low of this movie like i said i maybe it's not high but i think i just it understands exactly what it's doing and it really does maybe i'm giving it too much credit but it's typified in the way like when brandy starts to leave the picture right she's out on the roof and she's walking on the glass panels uh-huh 
she's walking on the glass panels and yeah, not, not the flames. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's an insane decision just as a human being. Just like if you're walking around the earth, I don't care what your experiences are. You're just like, um, <laughs> maybe I'll walk on the thing that's holding up the thing that's breaking when I walk on it. Instead of continuing <laughs> to walk on breaking glass. It's just like in, insane decision making. But the very next scene, when she, maybe it's not the very next scene, but when she's reunited with Jennifer Love Hewitt, she, she's yeah, on the she's other side. Glad. I'm sorry? She, yeah, it is like the next scene, right? Because she falls and, and then I think they, the, the fisherman's coming down and she's trying to get through the, out of the glass house. She's, she gets out of the glass house. She's into the hallway now. And uh -huh. they're on the other side of the locked doors, right? Yes. And the door is made out of door and a big glass panel. <laughs> the thing that was just breaking in the previous scene and she pays no attention to it. Now, admittedly, there's like chicken wire in this glass panel. So, okay, it's got some resistance to it. Then they get the axe, right? And the yeah. first thing they do is not hit the axe at the glass panel, but the lock. It takes them like three or four swings to be like, oh, you know what? I'll just break this glass that is clearly very fragile. And she could fit through easily, as established in the previous scene. Yep. <laughs> I think this movie might be a masterpiece. <laughs> Hey man, I do love it. It's uh yeah, I like it. It's everything's just a disaster. There's there's a storm, fucking people are dying. It's bloody. It's much bloodier than the first one. Yeah. Uh, it's got actual kills with the hook repeatedly. That's what we're here for. Hook hand, yeah. man. Hook hand, man. Oh <laughs> uh, the last man. thing I have, you got anything else, buddy? No, truly, that's it. Oh, we should just say Julie gets her revenge by shooting Ben Willis a bunch of times in the chest. He falls in a grave. Uh, his son, he kills his son on accident. Right. That's about it. The last thing that I have um, is the, the stinger is, the, you know, I mean, classic horror movie move, right? One more scare before we go out the door. Oh, but no. because we started with the framing device of her being haunted by dreams, I'm left with the question of like, wait, did she dream it? Are we ever going to know what she did next summer? Well, it, there is a third movie. Shut um, your face. That's not true. Jennifer Love Hewitt. None of the cast is in it. No one is in it. But I, like, I remember seeing it a long time ago. It was straight to video DVD. Uh, it's called I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. Wow. And somehow That's the fisherman is back. He's not dead, but he, his hand is back too. He, like he has both his hands. Like it's not in the continuity of both movies. <laughs> the carefully established continuity. Yeah, because <laughs> there is a crazy backstory to this fucking movie that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But hey. You go with it. Man, I had a blast, dude. I like this movie a lot. Uh, and I think maybe, I don't know, am I crazy to say skip the first one? And yeah, you're going to disagree with me. But like, if you're looking for just a dumb horror movie, just jump right into the second one. It's a lot more fun. Yeah, no, I think you need to see the first one to see the second one.
Why? It's a hook hand. Who cares? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I love <laughs> one thing when Julie is <clears throat> confessing that uh, she lied about them killing Ben Willis uh, in the first movie. She's like, Brandy's like, you killed him, remember? She's like, no. <laughs> he killed Barry and Helen. And uh, uh, for, those people don't know who the fuck Barry and Helen are. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just like rambling off people's names and they're they're probably like what they she what barry and helen who the fuck are they <laughs> there's a little bit of non-apropos to a lot of this plot <laughs> uh but no see see both of them you will more than likely have more fun with this one as kyle did um yeah i love them both i but I will say this one's much bloodier and probably more fun to watch. I think it's fun. I think that's it's a good fun. Thing. That's the that's the real difference. So I'll circle back to that kind of like central thesis. And I, I you know, it this movie is fun, and the first movie should be fun, and it's not. And it's but the worst part about it is that it's not moody either. It's just bland. It's just flat. If it was actually a tonal movie that was, I, you know, It Follows just jumped into my head, which Man, kind of has a, what's that? I'm not a big fan of It Follows. I like It Follows a lot because I think it gets the tone right, where it can be kind of, I don't want to say boring, you know what I mean? But it's very paced. It's an incredibly it measured movie. Very nice. like, don't get me wrong. I didn't fucking like think it was the worst horror movie, but it was way too overhyped for me by the time I saw it. Sure. And when I was just watching, I'm like, hey, it's like, it's cool. There's some great shots, great camera work. But I mean, like, oh, I mean, meh. yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm not hyping it as like, uh, you know, the greatest entry in the genre, but as a movie that moves at a pretty glacial pace and is still very scary and asks you to consider your own behavior, it really succeeds. Where my, I Know What You Did Last Summer, just the title alone tells us that we're in a popcorn movie. And that movie the whole time refuses to be a popcorn movie. It's just like, no, 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 no. I need you to spend 45 minutes on a thriller that doesn't go anywhere before we get back to this popcorn movie. And that is whack. And this movie is a fucking popcorn movie. And that's fun. I fucking like it. <laughs> Until next time, yeah. I will always know what you did next summer after last.